Nobody who ever gave their best regretted it. George Hallis. Welcome, everyone, to Palatine Parkcast. I'll be your host, J.P. McNamara. Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, our main story is about health and safety while getting back into fall sports. What routines you can get into, what preventative measures you can take to have the best performance and outcome while playing in all of your sports. Let's get started. I have a very special guest that I'm hoping to have as a regular contributor to the Palatine Parkcast, athletic manager Mark Dolphin. Mark, please introduce yourself. How's it going, JP? Uh, so my name is Mark Dolphin. I started here at Palatine Park District uh, earlier this year in April. Uh, I have about nine years of experience in the Parks and Rec world. Uh, I'm married to a remarkable wife, uh, Amanda, and we have two beautiful kids. I love to play golf. Uh, I love to go to country concerts and uh, most of all spending time with family uh, nights and weekends. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with the Palatine community and helping increase the athletic programs that we offer here at the Park District. Yeah, your role as athletic manager. Tell me what's going on in the world of athletics. What are what are we here to look forward to in, in the fall and winter and, and beyond? So we got a lot going on, a uh, couple programs that are new, a couple existing programs. Uh, first one is a disc golf league that we're uh, doing out at the Reamer Reserve. Uh, it's going to be Tuesday nights. Uh, that's August 23rd through September 13th. Uh, so it's every Tuesday for four weeks. Uh, tee off is 5.30 p.m. Uh, brand new is the Viking Select Travel Basketball Program. So we're going to have tryouts September 12th and 15th. Uh, and that program will go October through uh, March. And then our in-house basketball program, uh, that registration is available right now. It's in the brochure, same as the preseason volleyball league. So if you're interested in doing in-house, uh, take advantage of that. Uh, we're looking at some new pickleball programs, trying to develop some memberships, some lessons, uh, some drills, You know, trying to expand on the pickleball offerings here in the Palatine Park District. Budo Self-Defense is a great program if you're looking to teach anybody, you know, just they want to be aware of how to defend themselves. And, you know, this day and age, you know, you want to make sure that uh, you're always prepared for every situation. So the Budo Self-Defense program is great. Uh, Sports kids classes, that's for um, ages 7 to 13. Uh, We have all different kinds of classes in there. So take a look at the fall guide and uh, if anything strikes your fancy, register for that. And a big program, too, that we like to talk about is the Little Strikers Indoor Soccer League. That's for ages 3 to 6. You know, it's the the little guys, but they get to play on the turf over at Falcon. And uh, it's a great program to, uh, to offer to the community. That's awesome. Really appreciate that. Uh, shout out to Disc Golf and Pickleball, especially. We've done some Palatine Parkcast episodes on those two sports, how to get involved at Palatine Park District, and really what it's about and the mentality and how to uh, get involved with those things. So awesome that you're doing more with that in the fall. Can you tell me about any special events or tournaments that we have coming up? Definitely. So uh, 
with pickleball, uh, we have the Crosstown Pickler Cup in October. It's going to be the 8th and 9th of October, Saturday and Sunday. Um, basically, the concept is it's like a Ryder Cup in golf, but with multiple park districts. So the idea is to have, you know, 8 to 12 different park districts bringing their own teams and fill up all the divisions that we have and basically determine which, you know, district or <clears throat> pickleball group has, you know, the best picklers. Um you know, we're just trying to, you know, it's kind of like an intervillage league. You know, we want to see what's going on, who's got the best people in which divisions and kind of have it as a traveling trophy, you know, kind of, you know, be able to say, hey, I'm the best in the area. So that's something new that we're bringing on. Um, we're also looking to do a family nerf extravaganza event in November. Um, that'll be out at Falcon on the turf uh, indoors. Basically, you know, you bring all your Nerf guns, you know, we have different obstacles and, and tasks and things like that that'll be out there that uh, you can take advantage of. Um, entrance to the event will get you a slice of pizza and a bottle of water and um, play a bunch of games, have a chance to run around. Uh, parents, uh, it's, it's basically for you to hang out with the kids and do something fun. Uh, shoot them with Nerf darts. They can shoot you with Nerf darts. It's, uh, it's a fun event, and uh, kids and families really love doing that. So keep an eye out for that uh, coming up this fall. And then uh, this past week, on August 5th, uh, we had a high school pickleball tournament out at Hamilton. Uh, it had uh, over 20 high schoolers sign up for it, and we kind of put that together within within a week, uh, pretty much, of the event. So uh, there was a, a group of 20 to 40 kids playing out at uh, Hamilton in the pickleball courts uh, Wednesday, Thursday nights. And, um, you know, we just approached them and said, hey, we're looking, we want to run a tournament. Uh, is this something you guys would be interested in? And, you know, they jumped on board and, you know, it wouldn't have been successful if uh, we didn't get their involvement. So we kind of catered to them. They kind of picked the, the day and the time and we just kind of ran with it. So it was 10 bucks uh, a kid. So it was perfect, something nice and cheap for them to be able to do, but something fun. And for a demographic that is kind of hard to program for, that, that 14 to 18-year-old range can be difficult sometimes to um, – find athletics for them to do because they have high school, they have, you know, other stuff that they're doing. So it was a great thing that uh, we want to try to expand on here coming in uh, probably spring and summer next year. Well, I was going to say too, it's not the typical demographic that is pictured when you picture pickleball. So it's awesome to hear that younger generations getting into this awesome sport that we have thriving here in Palatine. It sounds like the, one of the reasons you set up the regional tournament uh, to see which northwest suburb or even beyond has the best picklers. It's really starting to catch on even more uh, than you've heard about in the past five, ten years. It sounds like younger people are playing and enough people are playing that we have multiple divisions to fill out a lot of courts over the weekend for that October tournament. Exactly. So yeah, it's uh, like I said, pickleball is something that I've never been in charge of before, but um, I have, you know, picked it up pretty quickly. And uh, I think it'll be something that, uh, you know, if we get the right people uh, to invest in it, uh, we'll bring them from all across the area. Mark, why don't you help me introduce our guest today on the podcast? Yeah, so the next guest on the podcast today is Larry Love. Um, he was contracted out by our affiliate football group, uh, PAFA, uh, to be on-site during all tackle football games. So him and his staff, their role is basically player safety. 
Um, any injuries that occur during the games will be handled by Larry and his staff. Uh, it's a great partnership that uh, PAFA started, and we had a great interview conversation with Larry. So without further ado, please enjoy the conversation with Larry Love. Mark, really appreciate you coming on. We're excited to have you as a featured guest several times throughout the next uh, several years. And now our conversation with Larry Love. All right, I'm here with Larry Love, sports medicine specialist and wellness practitioner. His business, Movementum, a total body wellness and performance company. Larry, thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate you coming on, talking to the Palatine Parkcast and the Palatine community at large, just about health and safety and getting ready for the upcoming sports seasons, especially we're going to focus on football today. So really appreciate it. Sure thing. All right, just jumping right into it. We're getting into football season here at Palatine. What would you say are some important tips to get kids ready for the season on a personal training and health standpoint? That's an awesome question. You know, when you look at uh, the prevention to performance continuum, let's start off with prevention. You know, a lot of kids don't hydrate enough, you know, so proper hydration is really key along with rest and recovery. You know, getting an adequate amount of sleep is when most of your organ functions are, you know, are reset, restored, and heightened at its best to, for the next day, perform, you know, for what you needed to perform at. I think as well from a preventative standpoint, we need to look at flexibility, stretching. We also need to also look at some of the key metrics and foundations of balance. You know, we need to look at strength, core activity, progress into more, you know, training uh, that involves performance. Now we need to get into you know, dynamic and multiple functional movement patterns. You know, everybody looks at, you know, training sometimes as using resistance. But, you know, at this stage and age for football and these players, you know, body weight exercises, being able to to optimize and capitalize on, you know, things like push-ups, squats, pull-ups, you know, the back, the front, you know, your lower body, having that stability, that's really key. And, you know, most importantly, you know, football is a collision sport. So, you know, with it being a collision sport, again, that whole mental capacity of understanding that it's not flag football anymore. It's, 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 it's real. So that whole visualization of understanding, you have to be prepared to play this sport. Yeah, and it sounds like it's coming from a place where, yes, the kids need to be prepared, but the the parents also need to be prepared and help the kids prepare. Sure. Telling them to go to sleep early isn't just to give them some uh, personal time. It actually is that rest and recovery that people need. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would add to that, you know, you know, I'm I'm so happy that the parents are even, you know, putting their kids in a in a sport. But the parents, if you're going to put them into a sport, there is an accountability to make sure you are preparing your student athlete, you know, for what what lies ahead. And it does require accountability. And a lot of parents, it can't be just dropping off your kid and having the coach be responsible for what happens. You know, that coach, <clears throat> that athletic trainer, whoever is on part of the team, they're only with your kid for a couple hours of that day. But 
they're with you the rest of the day. So let's make sure they're getting good nutrition. Let's make sure, again, they have proper rest. But also, let's make sure if they have anything that needs to be looked at from a injury standpoint, it gets evaluated correctly and on time. And a w- number one thing that's, that's interesting, a lot of parents sometimes forget to get their kid a physical. So that's key. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, physicals and all that sort of stuff. You know, when it comes to preventative measures and techniques that are being used to ensure health and safety for players, like what would you recommend, you know, for coaches or even parents that um, when they're not in practice for mm-hmm. them to take care of their bodies during during the season or before the season? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the, the best, as we call it in, in the industry, are modalities, okay? Uh, you know, a, a band, you know, when I talk about a band, we're talking about a stretchy band or exercise band. What's great about that, you know, it allows you to to get, you know, body weight movement with just enough of a resistance to, to give them some strengthening. You know, as as we know, football is a collision sport. OK, with that being said, if we can do exercises of pushing, pulling and, you know, pressing and squatting, those are things that are going to prepare your athlete to withstand some of the collisions, some of the impacts as well. You know, in addition to any type of sports bands for for just strength training, I think one of the things that <clears throat> we continue to overlook a little bit is just some core exercises that can be done daily. Those core exercises of planks, you know, core exercises of leg raises, core exercises of, you know, shoulder rotations, you know, those are all necessary because they're, you know, multi-positional movements that are going to be sport-specific for the athlete. Does PAFA have a policy in place on how concussions are handled currently? In conjunction with, with my expertise, they do. Um, you know, concussion protocols and training, it's an evolving perspective. You know, when there was first this big, big focus on concussions, which probably I would say was about five years ago, okay? That's when, when a kid went helmet to helmet, everybody's like, concussion, concussion, right? Um, what, what we've learned so much about it is there, there's so many different protocols out there. There's a King David protocol that's probably one of the most, probably what I say simplest, but, you know, consistent protocols for this level of, you know, how to evaluate some of the different signs and symptoms of concussions, but as well, having qualified personnel, um, having people like me, a certified and licensed athletic trainer, sports medicine specialist that is part of their not only licensure, but also what they are, this is what they do every single day. I think, you know, one of the aspects that we always have to consider with with concussions is it's one thing to hear it, it's one thing to see it, but it's another to know how to see if it is actually a concussion. There's a difference between concussions and head injuries. Most of these kids are going at a pace where it's very rare they're going to get a concussion. So we don't want to be so conservative about you know what happens when these kids bump heads, but we do want to have protocols available and, and testing, and it, it requires the, the, the proper personnel, such as a professional like myself. 
Yeah. You being only one person, do you help uh, train and and teach other people on the sideline to, to look for the signs so that you can have the safest environment possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, when the athletic trainer is out there and someone gets an injury, that's one thing. Or if they, you know bump heads or however they hit their head on the ground you know it's really um it's it's really crucial that we we educate the coaches and have them look for like three things the first one do they see a head contact okay second what's the state of the athlete when they get up when they are calling plays you know and you know the last one is pretty much this one right here you know, the follow-up, you know, because the athletic trainer is out there watching the totality of the game, whereas the coach is used to a player's certain performance. And so when they see that, you know, it's always looking for signs, you know, eyes are, you know, totally dilated, you know, you know, the movements are a little slower, you know, a lot of cognitive, um, a lot of cognitive uh, dysfunction, you know, slow to react to plays, and uh, those are some of the things I have the coaches look out for. And, and you know, that's pretty simple and enough for them to, to grasp. All right, so a big thing when it comes to sports and injuries is, you know, who has that final say of I'm pulling this kid because I see this. So, you know, who's responsible for the sideline concussion, you know, recognition and response? And, you know, between you and, and PAFA, like, have you guys talked about who's making that decision as to, hey, you know, Larry, you see this kid that has these signs that he shouldn't play. You know, can the coaches overrule you? Or are you kind of saying, no, like, this is, you know, my professional opinion? I think that is probably one of the most important questions to be asked. And by far non-negotiable, the certified and licensed athletic trainer has to have the final say. Yeah. Um, once we get into the the medical professional not having the final say and it being subjective to the coach's emotion or is the game tied and we need this player, I think we continue to devalue what the welfare of the athlete really is. And to put the athlete in any type of, you know, extraordinary risk that's not necessary, uh, we can't have that. So definitely the, the, the practitioner on the sideline, the sports medicine specialist, certified athletic trainer, must have the final say-so, and that is agreed upon. Yeah, it's one of those that it's like for such a young age, you know, to try to put their safety secondhand to winning, you know, even with travel, sports, and future sure. programs. Like, yeah, winning is a part of that, but you also like, you know, we talked about before is safety has to be that number one element. And at such a young age, they're mm-hmm. developing consistently and, you know, all the time. So, you know, we don't know what some little injury could do to sure. them five, ten years down the line because we wanted to win a fourth-grade tackle football game right. or whatever. So, What I would like to add to that as well is, you know, the whole reason that sports is around is so kids can understand. I always say sports is a metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you will have challenges where, hey, you know what? I really want to do this, but I can't. But the the great thing about sport is, guess what? You have tomorrow, and my job is to make sure your tomorrow is is it's it's something that uh, you can look forward to, and it's it's not nice to look forward to being hurt, <laughs> so or injured. 
So obviously there's been a lot of changes in the past 10 years, even five years uh, that you referenced in football and protocol and health and safety. What are the things that people are implementing, the technologies that people are using to help make this game safer? That's a very good question. Um, let's, let's start off with more of the external aspect of things. You know, the helmets are a lot safer. They can withstand a lot more pounds of pressure of force, okay? That's, the, that's one thing. Um, I don't know if you remember back in the day where they used to wear those neck rolls around their neck. That's kind of old school, right? But now that we look at, like, the shoulder pads, they're more congruent to, you know, really the, the shape of, of a person's body, you know. It's almost like a glove. When we look at the external padding, like, you know, you look at knee pads, thigh pads, you know, instead of them being so segmented, now the kids are kind of wearing just like a, a total girdle. So the closer something fits to your body without segmentation in it, the less likely, you know, it's going to be to injury. Uh, and we also, you know, we want to look at, you know, the compression. You know, I don't want to mention any other of the other companies, but, you know, <laughs> there's some compression companies out there. The uniforms are fitting tighter, you know, so the, the more tighter the uniform is fitting when there's impact, you know, that's going to be a lot safer. And, you know, we want to look at also the shoe wear, you know, footwear. You know, footwear, the technology has improved so much that, you know, back in the day it used to be heavier, you know, kind of, bulkier shoes now it's you know it's lighter and and kudos to some of these you know park districts and and facilities that the players are playing on you know the turf you know it's uh it's improved you know it's almost it's not grass but you know if you're playing on something that has an even length to it you know not a bunch of divots you know that's that's key and if we get into you know some of the other technology of the sports drinks you know it used to be you know, Gatorade was like a reward. Nah, it's it's part of the game now, you know. Now, here's the thing. We want to look at the timing that we consume these, you know, uh, sports drinks. And I just want to let everybody know, you consume a sports drink before and after, not during. Because during, that's when your whole glycemic level starts to kick in. And then, you know, uh, that's when a lot of athletes, that's why a lot of athletes fatigue in the second half. But there's one thing that we, we do need is electrolyte replacement. So those are some of the things that, uh, that I've seen that have, have evolved. Yep. That's awesome. And they all obviously work together to make the game, you know, a little bit safer, Absolutely. a little bit more enjoyable, sure. a little bit faster, a little bit high performance. Um, so that's really neat to see that, you know, we've come so long and we're continuing to grow and improve along the way to, to make it as mm -hmm. enjoyable and as fun for the kids and uh, the parents doing it. Sure. One thing I do want to mention, you know, that PAFA is doing that I don't see a lot of other football, you know, organizations at this level is, you know, obviously the coaches have to go through concussion training. Sure. But they're also requiring one parent for each participant to go through it online, which I think is valuable because – 
you know, the parents are going to see the kids after the games sure. and, you know, the weeks leading up to the next games mm-hmm. and the practices. And, you know, so it gives them an idea of what are the signs to look for, sure. what are they seeing, and have a little bit more education. So that's one thing I want to point out that I know PAFA is doing that's not a requirement of the league or, you mm-hmm. know, anything. They're just trying to be more safe with it. Sure. And I just wish more parents had some of this information at their mm-hmm. fingertips because, you know, you might not necessarily see signs right when it happens. Sure. It might be four, six, eight hours later Absolutely. or when they go to sleep or whatever and, you know, what you want to look out for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking to some of that, I know you mentioned some of the symptoms, but sure. like what would a parent want to look for like when they went home or, you know, what should they do if they might be concerned about something like, oh, this could be a symptom of a concussion or a head injury. Like, how would they handle that? Absolutely. Let me piggyback on something that I stated earlier when I stated that it's great that the parents are putting their or placing their kids in, in a sport, but the parents still have that accountability, and that's the accountability that you're speaking to. Um, when we when we look at some of the things to you know kind of keep an eye out for, specifically if there's been a a head-to-head or a suspected concussion. Um, We're looking at being able to see what their sleep pattern is or their what we call drowsiness pattern. If they're falling asleep, you know, really on a routine basis, kind of dozing off. The other is it comes down to eating, too. A lot of times, you know, after these type of incidents that occur, there usually will be like, hey, I don't want to eat anything, you know, or I'm about to throw up. You know, of course, there's some, you know, physical symptoms of, hey, I have a headache still. If you have a headache that's lasting, you know, longer than two hours after the game, you know, that, that you know, that's cause for concern. The other cause or, you know, symptoms that we want to look at is what's your reaction to light. You know, if yeah. we're in a lighted area and, you know, you're constantly squinting or, you know, it really hurts a lot. That's the other thing. And then you just look at, you know, everyone knows their kid. You know, if a kid's kind of hyper and active and they're very, you know, lethargic and, you know, they can't count from 1 to 20 or 20 to 1 backwards, say the ABCs, you know, that whole cognitive verbal, you know, connection is is really something you want to watch out for. And I think last and, and probably most important, what is a kid's just normal feedback? You know, is he able to, he or she able to just, you know, sit there and watch television or, you know, just be in its normal environment. Now, we know we're in a day and age of, of gaming, you know, yes. where the kids play games, right? I think that's always a good test. And a lot of times if that screen is just kind of just, you know, blurring and, and yeah. creating more discomfort, you know, those are things we need to look out for. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely. If somebody loves video games and they sure. don't want to play it, there's a, there's a absolutely. sign. Something's going there's, on, There's right? a sign. And, and I, I also think, you know, if we if we are willing to listen to kids, they'll tell us everything we need to know, either verbally or non-verbally. So yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great, um, great information mm-hmm. to, to let parents know, and you know, appreciate you know, all that heads up, and yeah. uh, you know what you guys are doing for the PAFA program, sure. and yeah. you know. You know what else we can you know try to do in this. You know, mm-hmm. mental health, as we talked about, sure. you know, before we started recording, mm-hmm. I think is is a big aspect that we need to focus more on, on youth sports and just youth in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and and kudos to PAFA because you know even though it's not a requirement of the parents, I think the informatics to just have it out there 
and to have a you know a one-up connection i think that's key i did have one more question i wanted to uh ask you about having the professional in the room i know we talked a little bit before we started recording about performance and sports fatigue with that in mind Parents getting their kids into these uh, athletics, starting up the you know fall winter seasons. What do you think is is it important for kids to play as many sports as possible and kind of broaden their horizons? Should they focus on one thing? What uh what's your opinion on those kind of questions? Yeah, that that is another awesome question. You guys are bringing it today. <laughs> so. One of the, the, the great things about sport is this right here. When you specialize in it, you can potentially get really good at it. Here's the bad thing about sport. When you specialize in it, you can get really fatigued with it. You know, I'm always a believer in multiple sports, uh, just from the cross-training aspect, but I also think the socialization aspect. As I said earlier, sports are a metaphor for life. So in different sports, you may meet different people, but I also think by having a diversity of different sports, you're able to work on different movement patterns. You're able to also give the body a rest from just, you know, a an overuse aspect. And so what happens when we see specialization, we start to see these injuries that occur in a patternized uh, mode. And it may not happen right away, but it just may be nagging things because you're doing the same thing repetitively, repetitively. And so, you know, I see a lot of people in my clinic, not because they've done anything drastic, it's just the overuse. And as our bodies are maturing from a youthful standpoint, we have to be very careful how much stress we're putting on the body because, let's face it, performance is stress. And although it's a positive stress, you know, the overuse aspect and not enough recovery, um, that that really can be very damaging in the end. So definitely a huge proponent of you know, multiple sports. You know, unfortunately, every sport now is year-round when you think about it. And that's a little sad to me because you have to think that if a kid is specializing in a sport year-round, when, when does he or she have a break? Right. And so now we get into that whole sports psychology component, that mental component, that mental fatigue. And that's why a lot of kids by high school stop playing a certain sport because they're like, I've done this my whole life and I want to do something else. And sometimes just being a kid is what they want to do. So we have to give them an opportunity to be a kid while at the same time balancing sport, balancing, you know, academics, but also I think that whole socialized standpoint. And again, you know, the performance aspect, if they're specializing in a sport and they're not performing well, that's as much pressure as, you know, a kid doesn't need that. So when it comes to sports performance and, you know, teaching kids, there's obviously an age at some point that you think would be best to start it at or not do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like at what point is it recommended to like implement some of this stuff into like practice schedules or say, hey, one week, one day a week we're going to do performance training mm -hmm. another day we're going to do practice you know like yeah. what what's your professional opinion because yeah. i feel a lot of people say they just want to go earlier and younger and mm -hmm. younger at, yeah. at the age and their bodies mm -hmm. are growing so yeah. you know what do you think yeah so i want to kind of set set up the scenario for you and then i'll come back to that it's 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 interesting that when you see kids that really work on, on motor skills 
they're the ones who are able to become more athletic. And then you, you have those kids that just generally have natural genetics of athletics. But what happens is I'll take someone who has skill any day over someone who has talent because as you get older, what happens, the motor skill development is what's going to keep you athletic. Talent can be worked on and gotten as you you know progress. Now, what I would say is how early someone decides to start their kids in sport, um, they they better make sure that that kid's motor skills are the first thing that's worked on. Okay. Okay. So to put a football in someone's hand, to put a basketball in someone's hand, it's cute to have them dribble or throw a baseball and all of that. But there's skill, there's technique, and then there's performance. Okay. The skill set is what you what it takes to you know. Do you have the correct range of motion? Do you have the correct angles with anything? You know, <clears throat> the technique is just how you how you perform the skill whether it's throwing a football, catching a football. Unfortunately, people spend a lot of time on technique when a kid's not even ready for that. So if we can, let's use the age of five, okay? If we can work on motor skills and body weight development, you know, that's a great start for that. As we begin to get up in age, and let's say, so say we have the age range from five to eight, okay? Motor skill development, body weight exercises. Now, once we get to the age from 8 to like 11 years old, let's take that up a little bit and really hone in on performance. And that performance are things that that the kids are already prepped for. And then after that, once after the age 11, go for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I've been in charge of basketball for, sure. for a while, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people complain about, well, why aren't we playing on 10-foot hoops right, you right. Know, at third and fourth grade? Sure. And it's like, you know, you're talking about the technique. Yep. They can't shoot the basketball properly <laughs> Absolutely. from the three free sure. throw line, let alone a three-pointer, yeah. mm-hmm. because all NBA people are shooting three-pointers, and that's all they want to do. So fighting some people on mm-hmm. adjusting sure. the rules and, you know, how the game is played at you know, rim height for that example of, you know, putting it nine feet mm-hmm. and having them shoot properly sure. is going to be better than sure. 10 feet shooting wrong yeah. and, you know, the technique is wrong yeah. for a longer period of Absolutely. time. I'll take developmental progression any day over – what I call entertainment progression. Yeah. And so the entertainment progression, yes, the parents get all emotional and riled up, but at the end of the day, is that kid being prepared for whatever their next level is? And that, to me, is key, and that's that's where proper instruction and the, the proper personnel being involved matters. Progression. You yep. know, you got to work your way up You there. do. Like you said, you're not going to make the NBA at a five-year-old. you got to work your way to get there. So yep. many levels to get there. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Larry, thank you very much for joining us on the Palatine Podcast today. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us and your passion and obvious uh, love for sports and helping people grow and helping people train and helping people mentally prepare for everything that it involves. So really appreciate you coming on. A special thank you to both Larry Love and Mark Dolphin for talking about athletics and preparing for a safe and successful fall season. 